Girl Tries Life podcast where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and I am very excited to bring you the last episode of 2019. Drum roll. Okay. Well, that was my kitchen table, but whatever. I'm very excited to wrap up 2019. And I'm just charged for everything that 2020 has in store. So whether 2019 felt like a dumpster fire to you, whether you actually recognize that you made so many achievements and you had a lot of growth, um, getting ready for the new year, I think, is very, very important. And not just from a New Year's resolution standpoint. I'm not a huge believer in resolutions in that same way. But in deciding what it is you want to focus on, where you want to put your energies, what you want to create in your life in 2020, I think is very important. And one of those things, quite frankly, that I want to bring more into my life is sustainability and really walking the walk when it comes to how I feel about climate change and the environment, which is why today's guest, April Pine, is a really important one to me. So I first started following April on Instagram. She has this incredible Instagram account, Rocky Mountain Rising. We'll link to it in today's show notes. She talks about how she brings sustainability into her life, whether it comes to fashion, to travel, to, uh, you know, she shares so many tips on that Instagram uh, page on how she, you know, less food waste, all the things that I knew I really wanted to have her on the show. So April and I talk about how to embrace the discomfort of small changes and how easy they start to become. So whether this is environmental changes that you're looking to make or whether it's other changes in different areas of your life, the same principles hold true. Uh, We talk about the most important change that each of us can make in our consumption habits and what she says to sustainability naysayers, because, you know, there's a few of those out there. We talk about some of the simple switches that you can make in your home, how you can continue to travel, albeit consciously, and how everything is hard until it is easy and so, so much more. It's a really powerful conversation. I think April's got a lot of wisdom uh, to share, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. Now, the Girl Choice Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. So this episode in particular is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. So I know one of the biggest reasons that a lot of us don't want to switch energy providers is because we don't like change. We don't like the idea of switching and it feels really hard to do. But in Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. And if you switch retailers, nothing actually changes about the delivery of electricity and natural gas to your home or your business. If you have an existing contract, you're going to want to find out what the terms are for leaving. And if you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. So the choice is yours and there's probably a better deal available for you. So you can learn more about that at parkpower.ca. So I do also want to run a little segment here from Alberta Health Services. As we've, if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know people are going to emerge more often than they need to. And as a result, it creates a huge backlog in the system and long waiting times. So I'm going to give you a little message from AHS as to when to go. Know when to go, okay? We ask these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. If, like, your heart stopped beating. If you were really sick. If you were super duper hurt, you'd come. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt and they need attention right away. If you have an emergency, we're here to help. If it's not an emergency, you have options. Take control of your health. Call 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to head into the podcast interview with April Pine. 
Well, thank you so much, April, for coming on the podcast. We're so pleased to have you. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited for today's conversation. So I, you're not the first guest I've said this to, but I think I found you on Instagram. <laughs> and I truly yeah. totally don't remember how or why or what I was looking up or how I came across your account. But then I started, I, I think I was following you for quite some time before I reached out. And I was really, um, I, I was really taken aback, not taken aback. I was really impressed by how you truly make these environmental changes seem very doable and very tangible and it just was so accessible so that was really what uh what drew me to your account thank you I appreciate that yeah I think it's one of the things I've tried to focus around because nobody in this space is perfect and I don't think that should ever be the goal um so it's just everyday people who are wanting to make these changes um so as realistic as we can make them then you're going to get a lot more traction with that um, and then just having fun with it, too. Like, I think this is something that should bring value to your life in other ways. So kind of mixing that all into the account. Yeah. Well, so where did your focus for the environment come from? When did it start? So I think I've had a focus for a number of years. I have a really good friend um, who's this, like, environmental steward who I get to learn a lot from and ask questions. But then just in, like, the last year or two, I've kind of taken her perspective along with just like little bits from other people. So these small actions, whether it's like someone from school that I too follow on Instagram and see what she's up to, a friend the one day had mentioned how easy it is to bring a mug everywhere. Like you bring a mug, (laughs) that's something you do. So kind of just accumulation um, of all of these small actions from everyone and one day it just like struck me and I came home to my house and I was like, wow, look at all of this waste. <laughs> we need to do something about this. So kind of all of these small things building up to this, like, okay, we can definitely do some work here. So there wasn't really an aha moment. It was kind of more like a gradual process. Uh, what's mm-hmm. been the most like surprising thing for you? I think like at first is very overwhelming looking around and seeing like, you know, you you snowball all of a sudden and see all this waste surrounding you. Um, But then once you take a step back and start forming these habits, now it's something that like, I don't even really consider myself like that much of like an environmental steward because I'm like, this is just habits that I've built into my life. Like Mm. it's standard now to just bring a water bottle or to go mug and, um, it's really a lot easier once you have these habits formed to just like, that is how you live life now. And I think that's so true. Like with any change, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, like any change people are wanting to experience, there's going to be a level of discomfort at the beginning or inconvenience. And then like you're saying, it becomes your new normal, the way you do life. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, you could compare that to just like uh, building an exercise routine or something. At first you're like, oh, I don't know if I like this. And then after you're like feeling good and it's a routine and it's just second nature. So that's kind of what I would compare it to. Well, and I think what you said was interesting about like how it can be so overwhelming to begin with. Because I've seen accounts like, I think it's called Trashes for Tossers, where she has like this one jar of trash from the year. And I'm like, to (laughs) me, that seems like, no, I can't, like, I cannot 
do that. Um, but yeah. like you and I, I would imagine r- roughly similar ages. And I feel like we grew up with that whole like reduce, reuse, recycle thing in school all the time. But that doesn't like that doesn't cut it anymore. If if someone were to make a shift now, but they can't do the like, <laughs> you know, jar of trash a year. kind of thing, <laughs> What are like the most meaningful changes that you think they could make to their lifestyle? Yeah, and that's a really good point because those are some people I had followed on Instagram too and got really caught up in like, we need to reduce our waste to this point. And that's just, I think you're missing a lot of like other opportunities when your focus is so specific. Um, but I do agree this like three R's that we have, uh, it doesn't work. And a lot of that is because we default right to recycling. Um, and we forget about the reducing and the reusing part of it. And then everybody feels good because we're recycling. Um, but that's like, we could have a whole podcast on just that. So, well, because isn't um, it like only 20% of what we recycle gets recycled or something like that? Um, so only 9% of plastics uh, ever created do get recycled. Oh, barf. So, yeah. So <laughs> there's. There's a lot of challenges with the recycling systems that we have set up. Um, and then we forget, too, that like it takes resources to collect these materials and then ship them and then create them into something new. So if instead we could just focus on this reduction, uh, we could remove that whole piece from the equation. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, like our society revolves a lot around consumption. Like when I was thinking about this, even the idea of retail therapy is such a, a funny concept that like that's where our stress reduction can come from is it's like purchasing things. Mm-hmm. So kind of what we had said earlier, like these changes need to stem from new habits. And I would say any new habit that you want to develop in this like low carbon or like environmentally friendly space Um, It must provide value to you in some other way than the environment. And then that's how you're going to get it to stick. So, for example, uh, one of my friends is like a big fashionista. She loves clothes and expressing herself in that way. So recently, she's kind of been opened up to what fast fashion looks like. And she's like, I have so much fast fashion in my closet. Um, So rather than, you know, new season means new trends. Uh, she's been able to like buy materials and sew them onto her existing clothes and like mend them and and dye like she dyed a pair of uh, black pants because we know how those fade so quickly mm-hmm. and now she didn't have to buy a new pair. I'm like that's incredible. So find those areas in your life that you enjoy um, and then they provide more value to you than just like the environmental impact. And it's, yeah, that is so critical to habit change, right? Like if you're trying to create a habit that you find miserable, it's just not going to happen, <laughs> right? Because like, I, yeah. and I think I said this to you like via email, like I had the best of intentions when my son was born of um, doing cloth diapers. Like I bought cloth diapers. Mm-hmm. I was all ready. <laughs> um, what I was not ready for was him to have colic and be Mm -hmm. screaming all day long and most of the night and be up every two hours and so quite honestly I had to go 
to me, my getting a little extra sleep and having one less thing off my list was more important. I did, like, I still mm-hmm. to this day feel terrible about, like, how much waste that is. But I also had to take my mental health into consideration. So that was not mm-hmm. going to be a habit that I was going to be able to stick with. But other things, like, I have been able to, you know, reduce in other areas of my life that make more sense for me, right? Exactly. And you actually, so I was listening to your podcast that you had made the other day, Um And one thing you said in that session that really applies to this space, too, is you said, do what you can with the life and circumstances that you've been given. Yeah. And that's just so suiting in this space, too. So you had certain circumstances that it just didn't make sense for you to do those cloth diapers at the time. So don't beat yourself up over that. Um, This is the life and, and the conditions that you're working with. So do other things that are easier that are more manageable at the time. Well, and it's like the the thing that we do now instead is like we do, we practically buy nothing new for our kids, really. I mean, <laughs> they're so hard done by. But like, you know, all the, all the toys or the furniture or the strollers or everything's been secondhand. Um, and then we sort of pass on our clothes to other people when we're done with them. So it's like part of it is the cost savings, right? Like it's ridiculous the amount that you would spend on new things, but it's also like mm-hmm. these kids wear them for less than six months. Like there is not enough damage to like <laughs> to outwear these things. Yeah. The life cycle for kids is so short. Yeah. Yeah. I um, tried a buy nothing new month mm-hmm. and that was really eye-opening just like in – kind of fighting some of those urges and then understanding why you felt the need to buy something. And then just also exploring, like, if you do have a need to purchase something, like, where else can you find that where it already exists? So you're saving, we saved quite a bit of money in doing that. And then just, like, form these new habits that's, like, where we first think then to look for things rather than, like, maybe going to Amazon because it's more convenient or whatever that looks like. And that's retail therapy too, right? Like saving money. (laughs) Yeah. Bargain hunting. Yeah, I like it. Um, So yeah, Yeah, we've kind of... Okay, so you would say the biggest change that people can make is reducing reducing overall, but in the areas that make sense for them that that they find some other joy and meaning from, right? Yeah, and I think one thing, like a good starting place is to over like the course of a day or a week, um, you can do an inventory and see just make some of your patterns, where your waste is coming from. And then from there, pick out some easy wins that you're excited about. So what were those easy wins for you that you were excited in the beginning? Um, so like oh, just having a water bottle. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty easy thing to do. A coffee mug throughout work. Around the house and stuff, like, we would always have, like, plastic, um, just, like, soap dispensers. So we switched everything to bar soap. And I just think it's, like, very aesthetically pleasing. And then it's a fun experience to, like, go to the farmer's market and, like, buy yeah. bar soap. Um, so just, like, little things like that. And then you get empowered to do more once you've kind of been able to tick off these pieces. Yeah. For sure. And it's like, it can be the smallest and the weirdest things as well, right? Like, I remember doing a bit of an inventory a while back. And I mean, it's mostly women that listen to this podcast anyway. So let's be honest. But like, you know, 
you know, shifting to a diva cup instead of like using uh, sanitary pads or tampons or anything like that. I was like, mm-hmm. not only is this like environmentally better, but I was like, I actually think they work better. <laughs> like, Yeah. Right. And that's exactly what I'm saying. We're like, you know, it should to have an environmental impact. And you like the quality of the product and like it's the purpose that it serves. Like that's what we need more of. Yeah. So one of the, I mean, we live in Alberta, so we live in a very uh, oil heavy, um, I wouldn't say it's the most pro-environmentally friendly province. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Because like the common thing people will say is, well, other countries aren't doing as much as we are. What do you say to those people? How do you have a conversation with someone like that? Yeah, and that's definitely, I've had that come up a few times now. So I think when this argument is being made, people are viewing the transition to a low-carbon economy as a burden rather than an opportunity. So to get to this two-degree scenario that everybody's agreed upon that we need to hit, um, it will globally cost trillions of dollars of investment. So you can either see that as like a cost burden or we can take a lot of the capital that we're currently investing in other spaces and invest that in new technologies, innovations. We need research and development that will create brand new industries too. Like this is a lot of employment opportunities that are going to stem from this. So in saying like, I don't want to be part of the team because so-and-so is not pulling their weight. I think that we would be missing out on a lot of growth for Canada. Well, and that's just like, there are so many jobs that we don't even know could exist, right? And we are in a economic downturn right now. And like diversifying is so important for us. And this is like you're saying, it's opportunity. It's economically could be very smart down the line. It's what we need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of just like a mindset shift. And if you're able to recognize like what it, the future, like just envision the future in this low carbon space. Like it's going to look very different than what we're seeing right now. And it's going to be a lot of really exciting stuff. So if we're the ones that are standing behind because we're kind of pointing fingers at everybody else saying you're not doing enough. So, so I'm not going to do my part. You know, it would be like being on a sports team and not agreeing with everybody else. Um, and their input, like, well, do you want to sit on the sidelines and not grow yourself? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think that's a good approach. Well, <laughs> that and, only impacts you then. Yeah. And my husband and I backpacked Southeast Asia um, for three months before we had kids. And when you looked around, like, yeah, pollution was terrible. Um, like, you know, people would be wearing masks to, like, keep their breathing, cleaner air and all that kind of stuff. But these were people who were working to get the absolute basics right the Mm -hmm. absolute basics of food and shelter and education for their kids and stuff like that so to ask countries who don't even have the basics to be Mm -hmm. pulling the weight that we're not even pulling when like the majority of Canadians have like have access to absolute necessities it's unrealistic Mm -hmm. and it's frankly unfair like you know you'll hear the the states being like oh it's not fair other countries aren't pulling their weight well like it's unfair that they don't have the basics to begin with yeah yeah I totally agree so there's this opportunity if we can come up with some of these technologies that we need then we can export that 
to the economies that don't even have these basic needs. So we can use our innovations. Um, and that's like Canada is a huge export economy in a lot of different ways. So if we're able to take our innovations here, uh, that's just another growth opportunity for us too. So yeah, that's kind of the way that I would position it. Yeah. So I want to take a quick second to interrupt this interview to let you know about a brand new program that we have here at Stressless Ladies launching on January 6th. So January is so much the time, right, of New Year's resolution of getting to the gym, of like eating less calories and like restriction and all the things. It can be such a frustrating time for so many people and I want to do something different. Uh, So we're launching a new six-week program called Stressless About Your Body. And the reason we are so passionate about this program is because it's for people who are sick of feeling sick about their bodies, right? This is for people who want to embrace the body that they have so that they can start doing the things that they've been putting off. So whatever you think that you can't do because your body is not wherever you think it should be, we're going to smash that preconception that you have. We're going to smash that notion that you have. This is a program that's all about intuitive eating, health at every size, moving your body in a way that makes sense and makes you feel good, not for anything to do with weight loss, and how to get your mind into a more body positive or at a minimum body neutral stance. Now, The reason I'm telling you about this program right now is because if you sign up before January 6th, you will automatically get entered into the only group coaching module of it that we're going to do in the new year. So the pricing that you're going to be registering at will be our self-led pricing going forward, which means if you sign up at any point after that, that's the same price that you will pay uh, for self-led version of it. So with the group coaching, every two weeks, you're going to get group coaching calls so you can really tackle the the specific challenges that you have around uh, your body body image. You're also going to get access to Facebook live calls and a Facebook community, which you won't get after January 6th. So we really, really, really hope to see you there. Again, this is if you're so sick of the New Year mess- New Year's messaging around lose weight, be thin, get fit, get to the gym, all those things. This is about health at every size. This is about loving who you are right now, not some road in the future. So I hope that you'll join us. Uh, The link to everything can be found in today's show notes or in the description of the app wherever you are listening. So take care and back to the program. So you work with ATB, which is really funny because um, the... the Girl Tries Life podcast is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. But your job, does it relate to climate change? Because you were recently attended a, a conference that tied into that. Yeah. So funny thing. Yeah, you did see that. So I was at a conference in Edmonton. And my role is not directly in this space, but I have a really neat role uh, where we, our team works with a lot of small, medium-sized businesses. And we develop portfolio strategies. So it's everything spanning from like manufacturing, franchising, cannabis, cryptocurrency. So we have a lot of autonomy in what we work on internally and then client facing. So one thing I had pitched to our team a little while back was the role that ATB can play in shaping this low carbon future. So that includes Um, clean technology, energy efficiency, and renewables, and what kind of programs and maybe financial offerings we have to clients in this space 
that can help them accelerate their own growth in these spaces. I love it. And like, it sounded like there were some incredible panels that you attended. What were your sort of key takeaways? Um, I think it was really refreshing. So this conference focused a lot on clean technology, uh, specifically with our natural resources here. So we had a lot of like good concrete conversations around that um, and how we can improve the operations of like oil and gas companies here. But we also have a lot of outside perspective too, because I think if you focus too much on one thing, it's like in any any aspect of life, you kind of get into this bit of a race with yourself. So having someone from the outside in say, here's what the rest of the world is up to. Like we had a few speakers from Europe come in and they weren't at all like commenting or criticizing what Alberta or Canada is up to, but they did say like, here's what we're doing in terms of like investments. And here's some of the technologies that we're looking to invest in. So that it gets people at least to just like step out of that comfort zone and know that the world is working on different things. Yeah. And it's like when we had Greta Thunberg who visited in Edmonton, I so wish I could have attended that, but <laughs> like her speech wasn't about what Alberta is or isn't doing. It was about the opportunity that we have to step up and do something different. And I think people get into this incredibly defensive mode and we do it in so many different aspects of our lives, but I think if we can step out of our side outside of ourselves for a second and realize it's not a personal attack on us, it's an opportunity for how we can do things differently. That creates a different dynamic for a conversation if people are willing to have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought it was really exciting that she came here and there was a lot of negativity around it. I mean, there's a lot of positivity as well, but I think just really listening to what she was saying in the speech, um, you could take it in a defensive manner if that's all you wanted to hear. But if you listen to what she was saying and if you actually had like read the report that she's referencing, um, I think that you would be able to just like see the value a bit more in her doing her tour. And I, and yeah, it's getting that critical look the critical lens of what you read and what you see is so important and to see both sides. Like, I don't know about you, but on social media recently, I was seeing everyone sharing these NASA reports about the ice cap is actually growing. And I was like, what is this? And like clicked on it. And I was like, Whoa, it is growing. And then I was like, hold on a second. That's Antarctica. Like we're talking about two completely different things when no one's ever been saying the issue is Antarctica melting. Everyone's been saying the issue is the Arctic ice cap melting. But if you see it through, like if you stop at point one in the conversation, then you don't see the whole picture, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of information out there. So it can be a really confusing time to have questions or like have these conversations. But one thing that they did mention at this conference that I thought was very helpful, um, so one of the topics was communicating on polarizing issues. So their suggestions were not to target, like there's always going to be people on the end of the spectrum that are kind of more extreme on their views. Just don't, don't make that your target market. Like 
don't engage with those types of people because they already have their minds made up. Rather, focus on everybody in between who's ready to have a conversation and is interested in learning more um, and work with those people. And I think it's also on focus on modeling the behavior, right? Because like, I'm sure that you impact far more people through them seeing you bring your own fork and knife and them seeing you bring your own stuff everywhere, right? Like, I'm sure that makes a much larger impact than you realize than, I don't know, necessarily, like, than other other outlets for it, right? For sure, yeah. Like, that's how I kind of started down this path, was just by seeing other people and their small actions and getting inspired by what they were doing. So you don't have to do everything, uh, because what you do is noticeable to others mm-hmm. in whatever capacity that comes in. Yeah. So you recently went to Japan and you made a comment before you were when you while you were on the trip that you'd essentially like erased all the carbon savings that you'd made for the year, but that the trip was still really important for you to take. I'd love for you to sort of expand on that. Yeah, so that um, is like a highly talked about area because it's true, like air travel requires a lot of gas of um, jet fuel so that wipes out a lot of your emissions so in this conversation kind of going back to where we can have our impact so I would say impact comes from three different levels there's the consumer uh, business and then government so a big part of how consumers get to make their impact is in numbers so if we're thinking for example the single-use plastic ban that was proposed Enough people band together to say, we're tired of this. I'm tired of bringing my silverware to whatever place. Like, can you just offer me silverware there? Mm -hmm. Um, That we've got government policy to step in and say, okay, we're going to figure this out. So I think often consumers, that is the role that they get to play. Travel is one of those things that doesn't really provide any other incentive to quit it other than the environmental aspect. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that by abstaining, we're really making, like it's really only impacting those few that are opting out of the travel opportunities because we just won't get enough people that are going to say, we don't want flight anymore. And I don't really think that's the goal, that we don't want flight. Like air travel is an incredible thing. It's only really been around for like, a little more than a hundred years mm-hmm. like this and it's this advanced so much like we have these massive jets flying all around the world um so i think instead what we really want is to see travel without the emissions so rather than telling these uh airlines or government that we don't want travel uh we should be saying like we want cleaner travel mm-hmm And that can probably come in like a number of different ways, whether it's like a biofuel for these planes or like maybe we redesign travel in general. Like what if we had a bullet train from Calgary to Edmonton? Like that'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I remember fleetingly having the thought of like, is it irresponsible to have children given like, I don't know, state of the world, uh, environmental impacts, all of that. And then it was kind of like, mm, this is something that is incredibly, incredibly important to me, but it's how do you mm-hmm. sort of weigh the those impacts and how do you sort of raise children to understand like that, 
their environmental footprint and all of this. And it's the same with like whatever it is that's incredibly important to you, travel being one of them as well, right? You're doing mm-hmm. so much to offset in some ways, but at the end of the day, like my brother has been reading um, the uninhabitable, uninhabitable earth. Have you read it? Okay. No, I haven't. He raves about it. So I would definitely check it out. Um, Okay. But he was talking about like in terms of like water consumption and waste and all that kind of stuff, like the average person, it's like the smallest percentage compared to um, corporations and and Mm -hmm. industry using them. And so it's like while we're not necessarily like I love what you're doing in your role in a company to have an impact with climate. But say an average person who's not in a role that can necessarily affect policy change, like you're saying, they can vote with their dollars and not support mm-hmm. the companies that do the work the way they do it, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I've sent emails to companies before to say, like, have you, like, here's what I'm concerned with. Have you considered X alternatives? I think a lot of people would really appreciate that. And then often too, like, you know, maybe it's a small business and it's just not, that's just not on their mind right now. They have a thousand other hats to wear. So by bringing that to their attention, like for example, there is a, a brunch place that we had gone to and in the wait line, they offered everybody coffee, which was really nice. Um, it was just a nice touch, but it was all disposable cups. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how easy would it be in like the massive impact thinking of how many customers you serve daily if you were just to put out ceramic mugs instead? Like, and, and that's one place consumers do get to have a voice is if enough people tell that business, this is what we want to see. Um, businesses need to work with their clients. So, and, and please them. So if it's something that aligns with their vision as well, like I think consumers have a lot of pull. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, um, I, I know you've, you've, we kind of talked about this in advance of like, what are sort of like 10 little changes that you can make? And I'll link to the products or whatever it is that you're um, recommending, but what are like 10 quick sort of like household swaps people could make? Yeah, um, so that's a good question. And before I did write some down, but before we get into that, I want to say that often when people get into the zero waste space, they get really excited about buying products. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's and there's so much you can do. Like I actually had a hard time making this list <laughs> because there's so many things you can do that are not about products. And like one example would be grocery shopping. Um, you have so much power in the type of material that you select. So as soon as you can make that conscious shift to look for um, different materials, so like egg cartons, let's say, uh, you're often given the choice between styrofoam, plastic, and cardboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and styrofoam kind of being uh, least to best in the order of which you can select. So even if you go throughout the store, you pick things like aluminum, glass, paper products, these are things that can be recycled uh, endless times, mm-hmm. like glass, for example, or can be reused in many different ways. So just kind of shifting your mindset to see, like, what is the better alternative here? Yeah. And sorry, um, I, I should have rephrased that. Just 10 shifts that you can make. They don't necessarily need something new that you need to bring into your life, but shifts. Yeah. So, yeah, and I do think that there are some, like, products that do make it easier (laughs) so I wrote down what those are because 
although we want to like shift people away from buying new things for me I felt like it really like empowered me at first to just like show off my water bottle like <laughs> my mug and I think that's okay um as long as like that's not your full trajectory down that path of like buying every shiny like zero waste thing um there are a lot of, like if you have this kit um being prepared is just like half of it so things like a safety razor um instead of a disposable razor um makeup cloths I used to use um like disposable cloths mm-hmm. so a lot of these things too save a lot of money like they're like 10 bucks or something and only, like every month you'd buy these cloths so that adds up real quick um and then same thing like more durable cloths for like in the kitchen we used to use j cloth and those you need to throw out eventually mm-hmm. like bar soap as i had mentioned um dryer balls we used to just use those like plastic sheet. <laughs> Do you find the dryer balls work? Because I found I still had static, but maybe I needed to use more of them. Oh, really? So you're supposed to use three is apparently the magic number. Right. Um, but if you get a lot of static, you can also put a little bit of vinegar in your wash load. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's supposed to help as well. So we haven't had a problem with um, static and we've been using them for probably a year. Awesome. Well, yeah. And see, this I is why I think try. it's important to have these conversations, right? Because even when I did try cloth diapers, like they were leaking and I was having all these issues, but it's like, talk to the right person who's tried it in a different way and you can sort of problem solve that way. Yeah. And that's like, so on Instagram, once I kind of went down this path, uh, I started following a bunch of other people and just like getting inspired by them and feeling like you're a part of this community and like learning what works and what doesn't. And I, I think there's a lot of value in sharing things that aren't working. I tried making um, like dishwasher detergent too. It did, it did not work. Oh, like, no. I don't have a recipe. But that was, yeah, that was maybe a bit too much. Um, dishwasher detergent and like some like, other detergents and stuff and there's some things that it's okay to just buy the package for I think (laughs) um but then a few other things is just like I you know I have my coffee mug I have my water bottle um produce bags those are pretty multi-use like we brought them on our trip to Japan Mm -hmm. use them in a number of different ways um and then and often too at the grocery store like if we don't have produce bags we just put the produce in the cart um <laughs> what foreign need to watch it. <laughs> I know. people are just like obsessed with using all these little plastic bags um and it's like you can put that in your cart like just without a bag and we've never had a problem at the till before like it'd be pretty weird if someone was like you didn't wrap your bananas like yeah <laughs> So those are definitely handy. Um, and then like beeswax wraps. So those, at, like we haven't used saran wrap in probably a year. Yeah. And we used to buy the big one, like the big pack from Costco. Yeah. <laughs> so we used a lot. And then those also preserve your food. So it's like providing that secondary value. Yeah. Um, and then like silicone bags. So, we used also a lot of just like 
plastic Ziploc bags Mm -hmm. and then you try and wash them out as much as possible but there's a certain point where you're like this is garbage yeah so these like (laughs) this is gross (laughs) so the silicone bags um they're lightweight and they just act as the same purpose as like what a Ziploc bag was so a few kitchen things and then a few just like bathroom things really set you up well and they don't require too much of a habit forming either, like a safety razor or a makeup cloth, for example. Like you could just purchase that product um, and then feel good about it. What do you do about makeup itself, though? Because there's so much like plastic containers or like for all the makeup that we buy. Where do you go for sustainable yeah. makeup? Um, so I've been using Elate Cosmetics and they... I think they sell like they sell them online, um, and then at a few of like the zero waste facilities in town, um, and they have this system where you like for blush or something like that, you buy the compact separately, and then every time you need to refill like your blush or whatever type of powder, you're only buying um, the powder itself, and then it, like magnetic clips in. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm looking at this now. It looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I've been using. I haven't focused a ton on makeup um, because one of the things that I go for is just like the something that's easy and high impact in terms of waste. So if I'm focusing too much on like finding that blush or mascara while I have still so much kitchen waste, yeah, it's like maybe it's just a matter of like refocusing that attention to like where you're going to have the bigger impact. Yeah. But I think it's interesting when you come to like, like, so for instance, my child dropped my bronzer the other day and it smashed everywhere. So I need to get a new one anyways. So it's one of those like, Uh, well, I'm about to replace it. So can I replace it with a greener option? Like when the time comes, right? Yes, exactly. Um, So definitely that's a brand that I think is pretty widely used and it's sold a few places in Calgary too. If you're looking to like test out the colors and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I will have a look at that. And I think that's like one nice thing about this whole like zero waste space is there's often a lot of other values connected to those products. So like reducing waste has got me a lot into sustainable fashion, which has a massive impact on your footprint. Um, and just like consuming less things and like interest in food waste and like looking more so at what exactly is in these products that I'm putting on my face every day. Yeah. <laughs> so um, a deeper look into all of these other aspects has stemmed from just like interest in reducing waste, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Holy sm- Sorry. I'm just literally this makeup is sold a block from where I live, like literally two blocks from where I live. (laughs) That's nuts. Um, But I think you're right. Like there, there are, you know, you see minimalism in general, kind of taking uh, minimalism, mindfulness, environmentalism, like they all merge together, right? Like the amount of time we are on our screens, the amount of time uh, we are just like this high anxiety all around a Mm -hmm. mindful way of living kind of helps on all of these fronts. Like we all need to be Mm -hmm. spent, like the big thing I often hear and I hear myself say it as well when it comes to making changes uh, to have a lower footprint is that, well, it takes more time. Like it takes more time to cook meals than like a convenience factor or all of those kind of things. 
But the way I'm starting to shift my mindset around it is the more time I'm spending on that, the less time I'm spending on a screen. Like I'm, I'm, I'm more connected to what's going on around me, which is better for my head, my anxiety, stress, all of that. Yeah. And I think it gets you to just like fall in love with the things that you already own. Yeah. Um, you know, and just like get to know what it's like, like get to know cooking again. Like if you're so used to eating out all the time, like I love cooking and it puts me in like a relaxing place and like an appreciation for, you know, Canada is a huge agriculture space. So I think you really get to appreciate the food that you eat and like the home that you live in and all of these things. Like it just uh, comes from a different place and like elevates that gratitude. Yeah. So the last question I want to ask you before we move into the final five is, are you hopeful about where we're going in terms of climate change and how we're going to cope? Yeah, um, I am. I think you have to be. So even like from this conference, hearing these speakers globally, um, if you are like lacking in inspiration or hope, like you think what you need to do is just get out of your your current circle of who you're talking to um, and speak to new people. Like for part of my job right now, I get to meet with lots of different clean technology companies, which is really exciting to see these passionate business owners and the ideas they have for the future. So connecting with this new space is bringing a lot of hope. And I think that um, it's possible. I love it. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. Okay, so final five that we ask all of our guests. Um, we may have already touched on it, but what is something that gets you really fired up in a good way? Um, so I definitely feed off of other people's energy. Um, and often this will happen like either in person or just like through uh, my Instagram account. But people will reach out and tell me about some of the changes that they've made. And that just, like, really gets me fired up. <laughs> a lot of the time, too, um, people say, like, hey, I picked up garbage the other day and I thought about you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a funny thing to say, but I love it. <laughs> nice, nice compliment. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right, let's go with it. So um, hearing about changes that other people make, like, it, we got to share more of these things. I, I love it so much. And like how easy it is, right? Like when you hear, like when it becomes easy for people, like sharing those success stories, those wins, I think is very important. Yeah. Maybe we need like a Friday feature on the blog. <laughs> there you go. Profiling somebody and, and whatever their change is. <laughs> yeah. So I absolutely adore reading. What is the most inspiring book that you've read in the past few years? Um, so The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Okay. Have you read it? I've heard about it. I haven't read it, though. Oh, it's such a good book. I recommend it to everybody I know. Um, so it's like historical fiction. It's about the woman's contribution to the war, which is a story that we often don't hear. And I think with also like a largely female audience listening, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will really enjoy this book. Oh, nice. I'll, I'll have to recommend yeah. it to my mom as well, because she actually writes a lot about nurses during the war and women during the war. So that sounds great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like very, very inspiring to hear. Excellent. Well, we will link to it in the show notes. 
Perfect. What are the typical, what are your typical stressors and how do you handle stress? Um, so I wrote down kind of a bigger one here because this is an interesting question, <laughs> like diving down that path of like, you know, there are a lot of stressors in life, like little things from not being on time. Mm-hmm. I can stress the girl out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like on a larger, like kind of deeper scale, I would say one thing that I struggle with is um, communicating with others when our values or positions don't align. You kind of spoke about like talking to people with these polar opposite views from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the type of person where I might not have like a really sharp response right away. I like to listen um, to what everybody in the room is saying, kind of consider this and then formulate my thoughts. Um, but then this happens like later when you're outside of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is it just like runs on repeat yeah. um, <laughs> in my head. <laughs> which is something you got to get away from. So um, what I do to handle that is I like having this outlet of like journaling or writing um, kind of like what I had done with that Greta post um, when she had come to Edmonton, there were so many different comments and I was like, okay, what do, what do I actually think about this? Like what's my position here? So just like pouring that out onto a piece of paper feels really good um and then I feel like I do have my position in the conversation yeah I think that's great and it's there is something so powerful about getting these things out uh out on paper out verbally out in other ways no I love that yeah yeah what's the best life lesson that you've learned or advice that you've been given so I would say everything is hard until it is easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this past weekend, I was working on a side project. Um, and I was like frustrated. <laughs> it wasn't working for me. And I just like yelled out like, why is this so hard? And my husband was like, well, and kind of sassy too. He was like, well, did you think it would be easy? <laughs> well, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, but I think that like the best things come with work. And you have to get uncomfortable and like pass through this phase of discomfort until you can hit that aha moment and say, I know what I'm doing. Um, This is finally working. But there's that there's going to be that period where it's not easy. So it's going to be hard until it clicks and then it's easy. Yeah, I love that. Like it. You're so right. We have to just try and try again and it'll click mm-hmm. and, and like, if and if not there's another way to do it right yeah exactly like even if you kind of come back to like um athletics or training for a sport or something like I've talked to a lot of people before who really wanted to complete an Ironman but they didn't know how to do like one of the three activities uh, whether that's like running swimming biking um so you got it. It's hard. And then finally you figure out like how to swim yeah. <laughs> like, until that point, though, that you're actually comfortable doing it. Um, you need to keep practicing, but then you keep working on it. And then one day you complete an Ironman and that's like incredible. Yeah. You don't run a marathon overnight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. And my last question, April, is what does it mean to you to lead your best life? 
So I would say living in the present moment um, and feeling that now space. So I think this is going to be a lifelong learning um, because that's not exactly an easy thing to do all the time. But I find for myself, I'm often replaying past events or looking forward to everything that's to come in the future. But really leading my best life would be enjoying it as it comes at me. Um, So something I've been doing for this is just like exploring more activities that really force you into this state of like being present. Um, So like rock climbing, for example, is one of those things where it requires... (laughs) You have to be in the moment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It requires like just enough of that mental focus that like your mind can't be running and it, it feels so good. Yeah. Um, and I shared this once and another person had compared it to like playing the piano. So I think finding those activities that just like put you into that space of being in the present um, is something that I'm working more towards. I think that's great. I, I agree with you. Every, most of the clients that I talk to, most people that I talk to, you're so focused on what has happened or what you're working towards. And it just, it's so it can be a challenge, but like getting in the present moment, how do you do that then? Like, I know you meditate and mm-hmm. sorry, meditate rock, rock climbing. So it's really for you more about activity that can kind of get you into that state. I think it's just like a lot of practice. Um, so meditation is a big help because it got like the meditations that I do, they start, they're guided. So they begin by just like explaining a bit of like a life lesson. And every time they talk about too, like you're in a very controlled space right now, try bringing this into your everyday, um, just by like recognizing certain things about yourself. Like what's your heart rate at right now? And like, can you follow your breathing for a minute? And when you eat your food, are you multitasking or are you just sitting down and eating a meal and like, tasting it and like feeling the textures and like really engaging deeply in the activities that you do. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. This was, this was really fun. I I feel like I've learned so much from you from this too. Oh, (laughs) well, this is the best, (laughs) this is the best way to have these conversations and we, we each take away something from it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you again to April Pine for joining us on today's podcast episode. It was such a joy to have her. She provided so many tangible tips. And I know that if you start applying these in your life, it's just going to feel like little changes, little changes. And over the course of 2020, you'll be impressed at the kind of change that you have made from a sustainability standard standpoint in your own home. Now, just a final reminder, if you're interested in the Stress Less About Your Body program, sign up before January 6th so you, that you get all those extra benefits that are not going to be available after that date. We would love to see you there. If you've got any questions, just email me, victoria at stresslessladies.com or head on over to Instagram and message me there at stresslessladies. Have a fantastic end of 2019, you guys. I will be back with you on January 2nd with uh, 20 experiments to try in 2020. So take care and I will chat to you then.